wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! It may be because he's Swiss, I don't know, in terms of European style. I can take you to Suplex City tonight, bitch. Can you say the alphabet backwards? That is backwards. Not funny and nobody likes you. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Welcome back, folks, to WrestleRant Radio here today. I am the always amped Graham Giusin Matthews from March 22nd, 2016. Big episode of WrestleRant Radio here today. Last week, we brought to you the exclusive interview with WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross talking all about New Japan Pro Wrestling on Access TV, airing every single Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We talked about NXT, Byron Saxton, which made the dirt sheets yesterday, so that was pretty cool. The exclusive interview is available in audio form right here on WrestleRant Radio, the March 15th episode. Thank you all for the overwhelming amount of support. It was amazing. Really appreciate it. You can check out the episode from last week. And this week, we got another big interview on tap. And I should also mention the interview was up in article form on Bleach Report. If you want to check out the highlights, it went up yesterday. Like I said, made the the, uh, dirt sheets, which was pretty cool. But today... We got another big exclusive interview as I teased last week. I revealed the identity on social media over the weekend. We got from WWE SmackDown commentator, the play-by-play, the new voice of Thursday Night's Mauro Ranallo, the new host of Inside MMA on Access TV every single Friday night at 12.30 Eastern Time AM. Check it out, guys. It's a great show. He's a great talent, a great commentator. Had a great time talking to him last week in regards to his time on SmackDown so far, his favorite match that he's called in WWE over the last couple of months since he joined WWE, what it's like to be reuniting with Bass Rutten, Boss Rutten rather, on uh, Inside MMA, his ties to the MMA world, what it's like to be back there calling New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, you know, for a number of years as the play-by-play commentator over there. So many different stuff. We're talking about Jim Ross, his inspirations, dealing with mental illness, a lot of great topics for almost 20 minutes here today. Um, So that's another great interview that's coming up. And right after that, I'll be talking about uh, Bobby Roode and Eric Young. The news broke over the weekend. They are now done with TNA. So I'll be breaking down that little news item from over the past weekend. I'll be talking briefly about my experience at Big Time Wrestling in Danbury, Connecticut this past Saturday night. And how I almost met Sting. I'll be talking about his um, rumored retirement, which the news broke on Thursday. He said he's not retiring. I'll talk more about that in a couple minutes after the Mario Ronaldo interview, as well as my thoughts from Monday Night Raw just this past week and how it impacts the card for WWE WrestleMania 32 in just 12 days away. And of course, tonight, March 22nd, the Beast in Boston has arrived. I will be at SmackDown tonight. Cannot wait for it. We'll talk all about the experience this Friday on the video blog for YouTube. Can't check it out probably briefly on next week's show as well. So last week we had Jim Ross. Today we got Mauro Ronaldo. And next week, hopefully, fingers crossed, RJ and I will be doing WrestleRant Radio, a two-hour live spectacular with Mike Yoder and Arden Franklin for our third annual traditional WrestleMania roundtable for our predictions for the biggest show of the year, WrestleMania 32. Can't wait for it. Very exciting time to be a wrestling fan and, more importantly, a listener of WrestleRant Radio. So without further ado, guys, enjoy my exclusive interview with WWE SmackDown's own Mauro Bernalo. Hey, Mauro, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well, Grim. How are you? 
Doing great, doing great. So, of course, Inside MMA debuting on Access TV Friday night, March 25th, 10.30, or rather 12.30 a.m. over here on the Eastern Time, 9.30 Pacific Time. It's going to be a great time. You're one of the hosts, as it was announced. Um, how are you excited? How, is, how are you excited to be hosting this Inside, Inside MMA show? And how is it different than anything else you've done in your career up to this point? Well, it, in fact, it's uh, almost like going home in, in, in many ways because uh, Boss Wooten is instrumental in having... Uh, giving me my mixed martial arts, combat sports, commentating career when he recommended me to the powers that be at Pride Fighting Championships back in 2003. And because of that opportunity, I was able to uh, begin uh, a program very similar to Inside MMA in my native country of Canada, which was the first uh, show of its kind that I, I hosted uh, for a while up in the two North Strong and Three. So in many ways, it's, it's deja vu all over again. It's everything coming full circle. But it's also uh, very much uh, a new challenge in the sense that, uh, you know, I'll be working with Vazito again at a different capacity as we, we break down, we analyze, and we tell the stories uh, behind the headlines on a weekly basis. Uh, and it's, of course, Inside MMA, the longest-running independent mixed martial arts program of its kind. Working with Ron Kruk and having uh, the consummate pro, Kenny Rice, who I am uh, replacing, but I don't like to use the word replacing because no one can replace uh, anyone in this business. You're the first you and, and Kenny who... I've always admired as a journalist and an interviewer, he will uh, remain involved as a special correspondent. So I think we're just fortifying uh, the, the ranks, as it were, and uh, for uh, Access TV to give me this opportunity at this stage of my career to get back into the MMA game on a weekly basis is, is so uh, uh, you know exciting on so many levels for me. So uh, I'm really happy to be a part of the Inside MMA team, and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, adding a a dose of, uh, you know, my energy to the proceedings. Did you ever expect to reunite with Boss Rutten after working with him earlier on in your career? I, I, I mean, he's, Boss Rutten is like uh, a brother to me. We, we actually reunited here when I moved to, to California. I've been here now just outside of LA. In fact, I live uh, a short drive away from Boss Rutten and uh, Frank Shamrock, so uh, it's, it's, it's really a blessing for me to be enjoying the California weather, but also... Uh, being, uh, you know, associated with two mixed martial arts, two combat sports legends. I was hoping that Boss and I would be reunited in one capacity or another, and the fact that we launched a, a well-received podcast earlier this year, uh, you know, kind of served to, to remind everyone that, you know, together we are, a, a, I would say, a pretty entertaining team, and, uh, and so now to be able to do it again on TV as uh, the host of Inside MMA is, is another dream come true, and I'm very, very happy that I get the opportunity to work with Boss and, and uh, all of the crew at Access TV because uh, Access TV, of course, also gave me the opportunity to uh, get back to my roots of pro wrestling when I was uh, offered the opportunity to call New Japan Pro Wrestling with Josh Barnett, which in turn, I think, served as a, a launch pad to land, uh, you know, the ultimate dream job, a dream job for yours truly, that being uh, the WWE. So it, it's so cool that all of these of a, a big puzzle for yours truly is somehow, some way, seem to fit. And, you know, I, I have, uh, I've always been an overachiever. I've always wanted to conquer the world in, in any way possible when it comes to my career goals and dreams. And, and to be able to not only call boxing at the highest level, but kickboxing at the highest level, now WWE, and then to get back into MMA as a, a member of the Inside MMA team, I mean, life does not get any better, my friend. 
Well, you said to yourself, your energy, which I think is what separates you from the rest of the pack, especially now that you're calling SmackDown every Thursday night on the USA Network. It's such a breath of fresh air for wrestling, for hosting inside MMA, like you said, previously calling New Japan Pro Wrestling. Is there anything about your style, whether it comes to commentating or hosting, that makes you stand out, that you intentionally do, that is, that makes you stand out from the rest of the pack, where you at? whereas you see, you kind of compare yourself maybe to another commentator or another host, and there's something that you try to do intentionally to try to make yourself stand out from the rest of the hosts and commentators out there well in fact it's funny i think a lot of people might think that a lot of people i know have always questioned my voice how can someone talk like that well, <laughs> my voice as you now hear i i knew at five years old what i wanted to do uh for a living i i started reading newspapers and books out loud at a very young age i was very focused on english building my vocabulary i was discovered at 16 so all i've done is be a communicator, a broadcaster, an entertainer throughout my life. And uh, my energy is that that's who I am in real life. I'm a fan first and foremost. I get caught up in the, the drama, the emotion uh, of what is happening, whether it is a, a boxing match, an MMA fight, a kickboxing contest, or a WWE uh, matchup. And, and for me, I, I, I just want to tell the story. I want to paint word pictures. I want to convey the drama. I want to get people emotionally invested because I think if I'm – Excited, or if I'm interested in the proceedings, then of course uh, the, the fans at home are in, uh, invested in the proceedings. But even though we're all different personalities, I don't think there's a good or wrong way of broadcasting. I just think you, the more unique you are, the more maybe opportunities you're going to get. I know I'm polarizing. I haven't. Uh, I'm still not everyone's cup of tea, and that's fine with me because we live in a world where, thankfully, in our society, you can have. Uh, uh, you know the freedom of choice, and if you, you choose to not want to listen to me, then you can, you know, hit the mute button, change the channel, <laughs> do what you want. But I, I can tell you that I'm overwhelmed, uh, not only with the opportunities, but the feedback I've received, especially for my work with New Japan Pro Wrestling and now WWE, but also over the years, you know, with the MMA community and even in boxing, where I've now, you know, finished my third year and my fourth year of uh, broadcasting boxing for Showtime. So. Uh, you could have never told me as a kid that I would have had all of these opportunities, especially with the you know, trials and tribulations that we all go through. Well, life itself is a fight, and I think that's what's endeared me to this to this form of entertainment and athleticism. And, and now in my mid-40s, I, I'm, again, just uh, I cannot ask for more, and that's why I also feel gratitude and want to give back to, to, to you know those who've supported me along the way, and, and especially the, the mental health community, because if... Uh, if you don't, aren't fully aware of uh, my background, having dealt with mental health issues throughout my adult life, and yet achieving this level of success in spite of it, and it, it, I hope it serves as an inspiration to, to the one in four Americans out there who suffer from mental health issues and are unable, for whatever reason, due to a stigma, or due to lack of resources or funds, uh, get the help that they deserve. And I, I want to become a, a mouthpiece for this uh this movement and I, I mean if you know again if I can achieve the success I can as a functional human being dealing with mental health issues then every human being on this earth can do the same and and uh, we need to do more so uh, not to be on a soapbox but I, I know you want to talk inside MMA in my career but that's as important to me as anything else right now. Well, basically serve as an inspiration. That's amazing. And uh, well, I mean, and, and you being an inspiration to those people, have there been anyone either in broadcasting, just in general, wrestling, MMA, boxing, that have inspired you for your announcing style or just basically anything else in life? Yeah, of course. We all have our, our role models and people we look up to. And I've been fortunate uh, to have so many people uh, help me along the way in terms of, I guess, as broadcast heroes, uh, you know, you have to 
to, to look to Jim Ross in wrestling. I, I go back, I, I'm a big fan of the Gordon Soli style, as many people consider the dean of professional wrestling broadcasters. But there have been so many uh, in combat sports. I, I, I love uh, Howard Cosell. I love Steve Albert. Uh, uh, Jim Lampley is a, a tremendous uh, broadcaster. The people I work with, Hall of Famer Al Bernstein and, and uh, Pauli Malignaggi and Steve Barr, Barry Tompkins. I mean, the list goes on and on. And even now at WWE, working with Hall of Famer Jerry Lawler, uh, and up and covered Byron Saxon. I, I, you know, I've worked with the best of the best. And in, in terms of inspiring me, I, I definitely have, you know, drawn inspiration from, from many different people. But at the same time, I hope and my, my wish is to just be the first me, like all of us should aspire to be. And, I, you know, it's what you see is what you get. You, can, you, you might not like my style, but do not question it or its, its authenticity. Uh, do not uh, uh, question uh, what I'm trying to do. I'm just, I'm hired to, to, to tell stories and I, I want to tell the most compelling dramatic stories and just be the, the lyrics to the, the real action the, the, the symphony, the, the music uh, the beats that are provided to us by the, the incredible athletes and I, I include the WWE performers in this category who, who put their lives on the line to entertain us and, and that's why I'm so passionate especially about combat sports, I call hockey, I call football, basketball, all of the the, the stick sports, the, the, the ice sports back in the day growing up in Canada and love all sports, but nothing compares to the adrenaline, to the, the feelings I get sitting ringside at WWE or boxing or cage side for an MMA event, uh, knowing that, you know, these individuals, to me it's the purest form of competition, the one-on-one, the, the mano-a-mano, uh, and it's been around since time immemorial. So, so for me, I, I'm truly blessed, and I just hope that people can uh, appreciate the amount of passion and, and research and preparation uh, that goes into to what I do because I eat, live, and breathe this on a daily basis, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So what have you noticed so far? You've been in the WWE field for a couple of months now. What have you noticed the biggest differences in being between calling a match in New Japan Pro Wrestling and on Friday Night SmackDown, or rather Thursday Night SmackDown, I guess, at this point? Uh, good question, but the answer really is, is going to be anticlimactic because there is no... And I think that's what shocked a lot of people, especially the WWE Universe, with what they think they've known about the way WWE handles its broadcasters or its, its system of announcing. And, and sure enough, when you go to work for any company, you've got to, to play by their rules. And I've been fortunate enough that Michael Cole, who is the voice of WWE, was instrumental in spearheading the, uh, the negotiations that contacted me to gauge whether interest into whether or not I wanted to work with WWE. Little did he know that, again... It was a dream of mine since five years old to, to get a, a spot with that company. Uh, Triple H has been nothing but uh, a blessing. Vince McMahon, of course, rubber stamping the hiring. But uh, they wanted me to be me. They came and they wanted my style of play-by-play. And, and yes, people said, oh, you sound like Jim Ross or Gordon, uh, you know, or, uh, Gorilla Monsoon or Vince McMahon, your old school style. And yes, I'm, I'm very flattered. I'm complimented. But at the same time, I'm just calling it like I call all fights. And, and to me, that's the story is what's going on in the ring. But that's not to say that format on Monday Night Raw, which, by the way, is three hours of live television where they have to uh, do, you know, serve a lot of masters, uh, the network, the, the, the fan base, but they've got to promote the network and, and, and try to, uh, you know, it, it's so many balls that Michael Cole has to juggle on Monday compared to what I do on Tuesday. And sometimes I think uh, he, he's unfairly criticized. For, for what he is doing Monday, because while we all would like to just sit there and, and maybe call the matches bell to bell, the WWE is a business, and there's a lot of business to tend to. And Michael Cole, uh, as a traffic cop, doing what he does on Monday, I think is vastly underrated. And uh, to be honest with you, 
uh, I, I would not be able to do what I'm doing right now without uh, his uh, assistance. And, and the entire WWE universe, the, the roster, the, the, the executives, everyone has made me feel uh, completely at home instantly. The chemistry I have with Jerry Lawler and Byron Saxton uh, really has amazed me that it's happened so soon, but it's a going period, and I'm by no means where I want to be as a WWE broadcaster, but I continue to, to fine-tune every uh, weekend. Uh, I'm just, like I say, blown away by the, uh, the feedback, but my job, uh, you know, I wouldn't be getting the credit I, I'm getting without the, the superstars and divas delivering in the ring, and uh, while the roster's been hit hard by injuries, this is an opportunity for others to grab what Vince McMahon calls the brass ring, and, uh, you know, I've been very impressed with the level of uh, uh, competition and the, the level of matches that I've been able to call on SmackDown thus far. I think one of the people, as you mentioned, that has definitely tried to grab the brass ring in recent months has been AJ Styles, who arrived on the scene shortly after you did. And you're very familiar, of course, with AJ Styles, having called his matches in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Is it surreal for you at all to be calling his matches, have called his matches in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and now calling his matches, even this past week on SmackDown against Kevin Owens on SmackDown? Yeah, it's been uh, surreal, but it, it's, it's, you know, you, you sometimes, I'm open-minded. I'm a spiritual human being. I believe everything happens for a reason. I believe in karma. I believe in a lot of different things. And and, and for me, the timing is a is you know a flatter a, a compliment to me. But AJ Styles belonged in WWE a long time ago. He's been one of the world's top performers for many years. And yes, watching him uh, do what he did in New Japan and take his profile and his and his talents to another level uh, opened the door for the opportunity with WWE. And I think a lot of people based maybe on recent history or, or the, the machinations of Vince McMahon, and let's face it, he is the boss, there's a reason he's the most successful promoter ever and a billionaire, and, and everyone has their idea of how things should be done, but for AJ Styles, who, who comes in and, and from the get-go, from his debut with the Royal Rumble, where he lasted almost 30 minutes before being eliminated by the man who you talked about, Kevin Owens, who had, they had a tremendous match on SmackDown this week, I, and then the rivalry with Chris Jericho, I mean, AJ Styles is right where he should be, and I, I'm so happy that at this point it looks like he's going to get his WrestleMania moment, and I, I can't wait to just be there in, in person in my first WrestleMania, you know, taking in all the great action. But yeah, AJ Styles, uh, Kevin Owens, uh, Neville, who unfortunately injured his ankle this week, but, but the list goes on and on. Dean Ambrose, uh, Roman Reigns. Uh, it, you know, you look at the roster that's on the sidelines right now with the likes of Seth Rollins and uh, Cesaro, Randy Orton, so on and so forth. And John Cena, let's not forget, of course, the, the face of the franchise. When these guys all come back, I mean, it's 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 a tremendous time, I think, uh, to be a, a fan of WWE, and especially when you look at what's going on at NXT, where uh, uh, I call him Swanky Shinsuke Nakamura, <laughs> another amazing performer who cut his teeth in the Land of the Rising Sun. He makes his NXT debut against Sami Zayn. So, yeah, for me to see so many of the New Japan uh, soldiers come over to WWE is amazing. But, but I'm really excited about so much uh, when it comes uh, to WWE. And the things that really opened my eyes is just how much of a machine, a well-oiled machine, uh, WWE is. The amount of work it takes to put on uh, the productions of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and the paper, you know, the pay-per-view specials on the network, it's, uh, it's incredible. And the, the production values speak for themselves. I mean, the, the features and the packages, uh, unlike anything you will find anywhere. So I, I'm glad to be a, a small part of the, the machine now. And final question for you, Mauro. As you mentioned, WrestleMania 32 coming up in a little over two weeks. Um, what have been some of your favorite matches to call so far in WWE? And are there any matches at WrestleMania that you hope to call yourself? 
Well, I, again, that's up to uh, the WWE. I, I know that Michael Cole, JBL, and uh, Byron Saxton are the, the pay-per-view team, and rightfully so. I was hired to do SmackDown. Uh, Michael Cole afforded me the opportunity to call the Kalisto and uh, Berto Del Rio United States match during the fast lane kickoff, which you know was an exciting uh, moment for yours truly. Um, I would love to be involved in WrestleMania in any capacity. I will be there with my two brothers taking in my first WrestleMania, and I'm excited about that. In terms of the matches, I mean, I, I think it's unfair to, to, to say, oh, I like this one better than others, but I think just by my the cadence, the tone of my voice, I mean, I'm, I'm into all of these superstars and divas and what they do, but, but obviously I've, I've really enjoyed uh, calling the AJ Styles-Chris Jericho uh, rivalry. I, I love the Kalisto and Alberto Del Rio, but... But there's so many, and, I, and again, so many more that I'm, I'm looking forward to. And honestly, the Divas, too. I'm so impressed by, by what uh, Charlotte and especially uh, Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks are, are doing now. But, and, of course, Natalia, who I, I really believe is, is one of the, uh, the best of Divas. And, yes, I'm a little biased because I know Natalia from when she was a teenager in Calgary when I worked for Stampede Wrestling, her family's uh, promotion. But, I mean, you saw on Roblox last week match she had with Charlotte continuing their rivalry and the match they had at NXT TakeOver. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Natalia more involved, but honestly, there's there's a lot to get excited about. Sami Zayn now in the mix, and uh, and at WrestleMania, Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns versus Triple H, uh, it, it, and of course, Shane McMahon against The Undertaker. <laughs> you know, already 84,000 tickets sold. It's a record. It's one of the biggest pop culture events of the year, and uh, I look forward to, to being there, and I hope everyone will join us on the WWE Network. And if you're a new subscriber, i gotta, I got to get this in, my friend. i got to earn my money. <laughs> if you're a new subscriber and you uh, subscribe to WWENetwork.com, you can watch WrestleMania for free. Think about that for a minute. It's a beautiful deal. How can you turn it down? WrestleMania 32 free. Like I said earlier, you guys can catch up Mauro Ronaldo every single Thursday night on SmackDown, on Twitter at Mauro Ronaldo. And most importantly, every Friday night starting March 25th, next week inside MMA Friday nights at 12.30 Eastern Time AM. Check it out, folks. Mauro, the mayor of Retweet City. It's been an honor talking to you. Thanks so much, my man. Hey, thank you for the interest. All the best. Of course. Have a great one. Have a, uh, enjoy the road to WrestleMania. I'll catch you down the road. Huge thanks to Mar Ronaldo for joining us on the show this past week. Great time talking to him. In one week, I got the chance to talk to a WWE Hall of Famer and arguably the greatest commentator of all time, Jim Ross. And only three days later did I get the chance to talk to the best commentator in WWE today. Hands down, I've talked about it here on the show before, Mauro Ronaldo. Really cool guy, as you can tell from the interview. And like I said earlier, the exclusive interviews are available right here on WrestleRant Radio in audio form from this week with Mauro Ronaldo, last week with Jim Ross. A lot of great feedback on that show. If you haven't checked it out already, please do so. Over 35 minutes of a candid conversation with the illustrious Jim Ross. Good old JR. Great time talking to him. And the interviews, Jim Ross's interview is available in excerpt form on Bleacher Report and written form, article form, whatever. On Bleacher Report right now went up on Monday and the interview with Mauro Ronaldo with the highlights if you didn't want to listen to the whole thing. If you want to check out the written form, whatever, that'll be up on Bleacher Report this coming Friday, I'm hoping. Uh, so fingers crossed for that. And like I mentioned earlier, just a couple plugs here before we get underway. Uh, next Tuesday, WrestleRant Radio going live, hopefully for a two-hour live spectacular WrestleMania roundtable. Mike Yoder, Arden Franklin, WrestleMania 32 predictions. It's going to be a big episode. And then last week, um, I was supposed to talk tomorrow. I was supposed to talk tomorrow on Thursday. I got moved to Friday, which was no problem. It actually worked out for the better. 
Um, so on Thursday, I got the chance to do the Cruise Control podcast with one Randy Cruz, awesome guy, always a blast talking to him for our third annual WrestleMania preview. And you can check that out right now on his Twitter, at Randy Cruz. He tweeted out the link a couple times. It's also on my Twitter, so be sure to check that out from last Thursday. Great conversation with him talking everything from WrestleMania 18 to WrestleMania 32. Always a great time talking to the one, the only, Randy Cruz. So, in regards to today's episode, for the remainder of the show, I'll be talking about Raw and a few different news items. So, I mentioned at the start of the show, on Saturday, I was at Big Time Wrestling for the first time ever to meet Sting. That was my deciding factor in wanting to go. It worked out perfectly. The stars aligned. It was uh, March 19th in Danbury, Connecticut. I knew for a fact I'd be able to go because I'd be home on spring break. I live in Connecticut. I go to school here in Massachusetts. So, I knew it would be perfect. I didn't have to drive home for the weekend, whatever. And moreover than anything else, Sting was going to be there. Freaking Sting, the, the 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 same man that's going into the WWE Hall of Fame in less than two weeks. And as a fan of the Stinger, dating back to, I mean, I'll be talking about this at, a, at another point, I'm sure, before uh, he goes into the Hall of Fame or afterwards in a future video blog, whatever. Uh, but Sting, as someone who watched wrestling starting in 2008, I was aware of him even before that. I mean, there were very few wrestlers that I was aware of before I started watching on the regular eight years ago. But Sting was one of them. I would play the WCW versus NWO revenge game for the Nintendo 64 in my grandmother's basement. I still do I, I still do this to this day because it's such a great game and it's still in working condition too, surprisingly enough. Um, but the game is so great. And the one thing I remember from that game is Sting coming down from the rafters, coming down from the ceiling with a bat in hand, just laying waste to everyone in sight. So great. And uh, so I was a fan of the Stinger even then, even long before I started watching wrestling. So I was so stoked to meet him. Unfortunately, I couldn't. We got there late. My freaking iPhone screwed up. So it took us in like five different directions. I hate technology sometimes. So we got there like 10 minutes after the show was supposed to start. And of course, the autograph signings were already over. So I couldn't meet Sting. On the bright side, though, I was very discouraged. But on the bright side, a few different things happened. One, I got to see him live, which was also part of the goal. I was really hoping to see him live last year over SummerSlam weekend. I was hoping he would show up in the main event at SummerSlam between Lesnar and Taker. Didn't happen. He did return the next night on Raw, but I wasn't there. Um, So I was really hoping to see Sting this past weekend live and in living color, and I did. So that was really cool. You know, marked out when his music hit. His WWE music, by the way, not his WCW music, which I like, but whatever. Um, I know that's just me. But um, it was cool to see, be able to see him. Uh, the show itself was, you know, pretty nice for what it was. Only six matches, which, which I think worked out for the better. Less is usually more when it comes to wrestling events. When you're sitting there for three hours with a 20-minute intermission, people just kind of want to go home. So the show only went a little over two hours, barely two hours. So I was very surprised about that. Um, but it was a fun little show. Like I said, my first ever experience at big-time wrestling. Hoping to go back at some point. Definitely a, uh, a worthy experience that would make me want to go back at some point. Maybe even in a couple weeks. Because after missing out on the opportunity to meet Sting on Saturday, I'm thinking, okay, when else can I meet this guy? So I went back on their website, and they have another show coming up, I think on April 9th, the week after Mania, um, here in Mass. And I'm, and it's like two hours away from where we are here at school at Endicott, but I'm really hoping to go because I really, really desperately want to meet Sting, especially after I didn't get to meet him this past weekend. So, um, And I don't know I'm going to get that chance again. Uh, so I'm hoping to meet him then. But as for Saturday's show, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Definitely check it out if you're in the area. They do a lot of shows here on like the East Coast, not only in the Northeast, but I've seen them do some shows in like North Carolina and stuff. So it's not just, um, you know, Massachusetts and New York and Connecticut, whatever. So maybe they come to your neck of the woods at some point soon, and uh, I would definitely recommend doing so. Um, you know, going to that show, it's always a fun time. 
Um, you know, my first ever experience was a pleasant one. Um, but while I was at the show, by the way, I also got to meet Gangrel, Homicide, and uh, Raven. All were great guys. The pictures are up right now on the website, nextdoorwrestling.net. Go to event photos. It's the last one. Check it out. Um, I got pictures with those guys, and Sandman was there. I, I tell you, I tell you. For the first time ever, I got to see Sting, uh, Sting yeah, uh, but also the Sandman in person. And for a show that was pretty good, you know, people enjoyed some of the matches. Flex Armstrong, I believe is the name of their champion, um, he had a really good match with Homicide. But the moment of the night, and the main event was basically like an ECW hardcore match. It was Gangrel and two of the big-time wrestling guys uh, versus uh, Raven, yeah, Raven, uh, Sandman, and somebody else. Oh, Toto Loco, who I know from New England Championship Wrestling. They had uh, It wasn't a wrestling match by any means. It was basically just a garbage match where just Singapore canes and beer and, and uh, you know all this other crap. And it was just so much fun. It was so dumb. It was dumb fun. That's what wrestling is more often than not anyway. Uh, but anyway, when Sandman came out, that place came unclued. Easily the loudest reaction of the night when Enter Sandman hit the arena, or not even the arena, but the, the gymnasium, whatever. It was a police center in uh, Danbury, Connecticut, like I said. But that place went nuts, as did I. I got a great video of it, too. I took a little clip of it. It's on Twitter from a couple days ago. I'll probably post the same, you know, the full one at some point because it's so great. The crowd goes nuts. He's coming out. He looks like crap, by the way. I love the Sandman. The guy looks like crap. I didn't even know it was him. I almost got the chance to meet him, but Homicide was 15 bucks to me, and Sandman was like 30 So I'm thinking, okay, I'll go with, I'll go with Homicide. I don't know if Sandman's worth that much. Uh, considering like Lex Luger was also thirty dollars, so I don't know, you know, what the uh, difference is there in terms of like star power or whatever. But it was so cool to see Sandman come out, even at fifty something years old. I, I'm pretty sure that's what he is. I don't know if he's in his forties, but he looked like he was in his fifties. He did not look great, but he, he's not a wrestler. He's never been a wrestler to begin with. He's just been an entertainer, a performer, and just great at what he does. And that was definitely evident on Saturday night when the whole place came unglued. For the Sandman, the ECW original, they just went nuts. He was pouring beer on people, like I said, whacking some of the wrestlers with the Singapore cane. So great, really fun time. Like I said earlier, if you definitely get the chance, um, I would check out Big Time Wrestling when the next time they come to your area. So while at the show on Saturday, my service sucked, but uh, RJ texted me and said, uh, you know, a, a screen cap of a tweet from Twitter saying that Bobby Roode, at first I thought it was Bobby Roode and James Storm. I, maybe that's what I wanted to see, so that's what I interpreted it as. Um, but it was Bobby Roode and Eric Young have left TNA as of this past Saturday. They finished up at the TNA tapings over the weekend in Orlando, and they are now officially done with the organization. Now, this is big news because these guys have been there since the start. Not since the start start, but since 2004. I mean, basically longer than anyone else in the company right now, with the exception of Abyss and James Storm, who left and then came back, obviously, this past year, which he might be regretting at this point, considering his now his tag team partner from Beer Money is gone. But I'll talk about that briefly in a minute. Um, but yeah, kind of some shocking news, definitely some shocking news. I remember two, three years ago, I think it was, it might've been almost exactly, it was around this time three years ago, uh, maybe a couple weeks, you know, give or take a couple weeks. It was for their lockdown pay-per-view in the day of the show, Bobby Roode's contract expired and he was one half of the world tag team champions. The same exact situation three years ago, one half of the world tag team champions defending on that night's show. And there was this huge, all, all this chaos surrounding whether he had re-signed or not and they had completely forgot that his contract had had uh had lapsed who forgets that contracts lapse you know just stuff like that is just so tna it's so asinine it's tna it's like i guess the best way to describe it 
And um, I don't know if this was a similar situation. From what I've been reading, it wasn't. They just couldn't come to terms. They, they couldn't come to terms on a new deal. A lot like with Eric Young. Um, but it is big news. Like I said, these guys have been there since 2004. That's 12 years. Through all the dark days that this company has had over the, over those 12 years, they have been there through the thick and the thin. They've had a lot of success. Two former tag team partners, uh, world heavyweight champions in that company. They've basically done it all. So, I mean, you could say that TNA dropped the ball by letting them go. More so rude than uh, Young. I feel like Young has basically done it all. I've never been a huge Eric Young fan, but Bobby Roode has turned five times, both babyface and heel. He's won every title for the most part. He's feuded with everybody. It was cool to see him back with beer money. The first time I've really been invested in Bobby Roode's character in at least a year or two. Um, I thought the beer money stuff was really, really cool to see him back together as baby faces. I thought that was the best scenario to bring James Storm, James Storm back in this past year. If there was any reason to see James Storm back in TNA, it would be you know to reunite beer money. And that's what they did. They gave him the tag team titles. They won the belts two, three weeks ago, I think. And um, now they're over. I don't know what they do with James Storm now. I don't read the... Uh, the, the TNA spoilers, I just watch as they go along. The show has actually been pretty good. For people that have been asking me, the TNA TV product has actually been very good. There's just zero buzz around the company right now. The, the behind-the-scenes stuff is bad. But at least the televised product has been pretty passable for the most part. They've had a lot of great things going. Drew Galloway is their new TNA World Heavyweight Champion, so that's cool. Great for him. I don't know how much that title means at this point, but it's still a big win. You know, it's still a big victory and a big win for him, and it obviously meant a lot to him considering all the uh, stuff he was saying on Twitter over the weekend. And good for him. I, think, I feel like it's a very well-deserved victory. Um, but anyway, going back to what I was saying before, Bobby Roode gone from TNA. Like I said, Eric Young also gone from the organization. What's next for him? Not that I don't really care, but I don't really care, to be honest with you. I'm, I've never been a huge Eric Young fan, even if he did go to TNA or rather to WWE. I just don't know how he would fare. I mean, I wouldn't be pissed. I mean, it would be like, oh, that's cool, whatever. But, you know, I'm not longing, I'm not yearning for Eric Young in WWE. There's just, there's no interest there for me, for no, for me anyway. I don't see Eric Young doing, you know, faring well in WWE. Bobby Roode, on the other hand, I have this whole article up right now on uh, on uh, hiddenremote.com that went up today as of March 22nd, depending on when you're listening to this, um, talking about why Bobby Roode is the perfect fit for WWE NXT, or just WWE period. There's a clip from here on the show from two years ago, right after Bobby Roode came back to TNA, I mean, in storyline, as a babyface, and I was saying, Bobby Roode is money. This guy is great. I've been saying this for years. I've been a big Bobby Roode fan, a big fan of the It Factor for about five, six years now. I've always loved beer money, but he really came into his own as a heel, as a single star back in 2011, 2012, when he was the longest reigning TNA World Heavyweight Champion in the company's history. Had a great reign on top, great feud with James Storm, AJ Styles, Austin Aries, one of the best matches of 2012, period, in wrestling. So, um... I've been a big fan of Bobby Roode for a while now, and I feel like he really has all the tools to do very well for himself in WWE, whether it be NXT, like I said, or the main roster. I know AJ Styles is AJ Styles. I mean, I know Samoa Joe went down to NXT first, as did Austin Aries. So I feel like Bobby Roode wouldn't immediately jump over NXT. I mean, AJ Styles is a worldwide, you know, well-known name, as is Samoa Joe and Austin Aries. But if they didn't jump before, you know, if they didn't jump to the main roster... Um, I feel like AJ Styles was the exception, and I don't think that's going to happen with Bobby Roode. I feel like he would go to NXT first, which gets no complaints from me, even if he stayed in NXT for the rest of his career, even at 40 years old, which I feel like is fine, which, you know, age is not, is merely a number at this point. I wrote this in the article, but age means nothing to WWE. You've got Samoa Joe, Austin Aries, all these other guys that are in their mid to late 30s. AJ Styles is 
closing in on 40, if not, he's already 40. And the guy is freaking killing it right now in WWE. He had a great goddamn match with Kevin Owens last night on Raw. So that is no excuse to not sign the guy. I said the same thing about Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Austin Aries last year, and they all got signed by the company. Bobby Roode should be no exception. If they were going to give a look to James Storm and bring him in for a couple of appearances, it would not surprise me in the slightest if Bobby Roode got brought in, if only for an appearance or two in NXT, even if he's not signed. Of course, the best time to do so would be right now with NXT TakeOver Dallas right around the corner. And of course, the specials are usually the places to debut new people. You know, Shinsuke Nakamura is making his first ever WWE appearance at that event next weekend, which should be amazing. Um, So, I mean, he might not be the only fresh-faced debuting at that show. We could see another new name pop up in the form of Bobby Roode, and I feel like that would be a great move for both him, the fans, and the company. He could be a great asset to WWE's developmental brand in NXT. So, anyway, I was excited to hear about that and kind of said that beer money's done, but Bobby Roode is officially gone from TNA. Um, And speaking of news, like I said, Sting got to see him over the weekend, a day before his... I don't know, 57th birthday? The guy is getting up there. But uh, a report came out on Thursday from TMZ saying that Sting unofficially has retired. Before Sting came out, I think yesterday or whenever, Sunday maybe. I think it was I think it was Monday. Saying that he is not yet officially retired. And maybe he's just holding out to make that official you know, that official announcement until his Hall of Fame speech in a couple weeks, which would not surprise me. Either way, if he retires, I'm not shocked. Just because if they're gonna if they're gonna force Daniel Bryan to retire, which was completely understandable, you know, considering the circumstances and the health issues, whatever, how the hell are they gonna let Sting continue to wrestle at 50 something years old? And he had two, not one, but two neck injuries sustained in the same match in that match against Rollins. He went out on a high note in a championship match, a really really good match against the Architect of the Shield, self-proclaimed. Uh, self-proclaimed, that is. But, um, yeah, I thought it was a really, really good match. and No better way to go out than that, I guess. You know, he worked in WWE. I'm sure some people would be disappointed that he never got to have that one WrestleMania. Or not, you know, he had a WrestleMania match, but had that one WrestleMania win or one win period on WWE pay-per-view. But I can't complain. I was just happy to see Sting in WWE at all. I'm just in a completely different boat than most people. I'm disappointed, too, but I'm also thankful and appreciative at the same time that he was able to work with WWE before he retired. And, again, this is all... Gospel. This is not the gospel truth. This is all rumor as of, you know, right now until we find out more in the next couple of days or weeks, whatever, that um, if he is officially retired or not. I assume we're going to get that official announcement at the Hall of Fame ceremony. It, I would be shocked at this point if he ever wrestled another match. At 50-something years old and with the injuries that he suffered, I would be shocked if they put him back in the ring, at least in WWE. I don't think he would leave there and then go back to TNA for one more match. I don't think that's the kind of, you know, the kind of person's thing is. Um, but his documentary was great, by the way, too. I got that for Christmas a couple months ago, and um, I thought he did a great job in the documentary. WWE did a great job in that documentary, and I would uh, that's that's well worth the purchase as well. I believe it's going up on the network. I mean, I feel like the DVD itself is great, so I would recommend checking it out. Um, you know, for the documentary portion only, but even the matches are pretty good too, and I would you know recommend buying it for those as well. But I feel like the documentary I, I read somewhere a couple days ago that the documentary portion is going up on the network in the Beyond the Ring section in the next couple days or so, like next week maybe or something like that, which is cool. And like I said, great documentary. Be sure to check it out. So raw from last night and the time that we have left here, um, I thought it was not a great show by any stretch of the imagination. I thought it was all right for what it was. I mean, we had a decent crowd. I thought the first hour was really, really good. But it just kind of was all downhill from that point forward. In WrestleMania, we have 12 days to go. Like I said at the start of the show, we have 12 days until WrestleMania 32. 
as the always amped Graham GSM Matthews, I'm ready. I'm excited for WrestleMania, but I could see why many people are not. I'm not debating that. I'm not criticizing anyone that says, oh, I'm not excited for WrestleMania, because I could see why. I mean, I'm just excited for everything anyway, but I'm just talking about the people that may not be in that mania mood or may not feel like it's going to live up to the hype. And like I said on the on the Cruise Control podcast last week, we said the same thing about WrestleMania 30 and 31. So never underestimate WWE. At the same time, I would not get my hopes up for an amazing show in case it disappoints, a lot like WrestleMania's, um, you know, 27 or 29 or 25, all the odd number of ones. But thankfully, this, you know, that streak was broken last year with WrestleMania 31. Um, but anyway, I feel like it will be a good show. With what we have on tap, we have a pretty strong card. Some matches interest me more than others, obviously. But I feel like from top to bottom, it's a pretty solid card. It's just a shame that the hype and the build for the show in the last few weeks has left a lot to be desired. Specifically last night, I felt like there was not a lot they did last night that got me excited for WrestleMania, more so than I already was before, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, Again, not a terrible episode of Raw, but very lackluster and very disappointing, especially towards the end. So let's break it down quickly here. Uh, Starting with our first segment, Stephanie McMahon came out. She was soon interrupted by Roman Reigns. No longer coming through the crowd, which was interesting. So I guess he's ditched that aspect of his entrance, which is great. A step in the right direction by far. Um, so they should definitely continue to do that going forward just because it's something different. And we've talked about this here in the show for years, ever since he broke away from the Shield, that he needs to establish, Roman Reigns that is, his own identity. He can't rely on his laurels. He can't rest on his laurels from the Shield by coming out through the crowd and with the Shield music and the Shield attire. He's got to do his own thing. Hopefully the music is the next thing to be changed. I know he's had it for like two years now, but... You know, John Cena had the same theme for three years or so. You know, people change their music all the time. CM Punk had the same music for five years, I think, before it changed the cult of personality. So it's not completely out of the question. So I feel like that should be the next thing to be changed. But I'm glad he's changing that aspect up of his entrance. I appreciated that, you know, small little touch. But uh, the segment was that that was fine. You know, I thought it was kept, you know, short and sweet. Roman Reigns, of course, is the not the greatest mic worker in the world. No uh, Jack and the Beanstalk promo. But I thought it was good. He was kept short and sweet and limited on the mic. And uh, Stephanie was as well. The whole limo thing later on I thought was, eh, you know. <laughs> Randy Cruz actually tweeted out himself that all of eight people went nuts. All of eight people reacted, I should say, <laughs> when the uh, garage door went up and Roman Reigns was seen standing there, which was hilarious. Um, but yeah, I thought that segment was fine. I mean, Roman Reigns and Triple H, like I said before, I'm not any more excited for that match than I was before going into this episode of Raw. Not that I, I you know, I wrote a whole article about this a couple weeks ago. I feel like the match will exceed expectations from the fans, will exceed fan expectations, but that doesn't mean the build's been great. I mean, for three weeks, Roman Reigns was gone from Raw. Now, when he is on Raw, he's barely on, which is fine, I guess, but there is no way in hell this match can go on last. There is no way. I know we were talking about it a couple weeks ago on WWEC Radio, talking about how, you know, I feel like the Hell in a Cell match could go on last. It should go on last. No, it must go on last. That is the only real main event match. And Ambrose and Lesnar has been great. Don't get me wrong. I'm really looking forward to that match. That's not going to main event. I don't know why it would main event. I don't know why. Then again, I don't know why Ambrose and Braun Strowman main evented Raw last night. That's another topic I'll get to in a couple minutes. But um, that's not main eventing WrestleMania. And I don't think, you know, Triple H and Roman Reigns, if Roman Reigns wins the belt clean or whatever, whatever happens, unless it goes heel, that's going to be a very poopy way of going out of your biggest show of the year with almost 100,000 people booing your, you know, quote-unquote biggest babyface in the company or what's supposed to be your biggest babyface in the company. So that is not the way they should end WrestleMania. If you won the belt earlier on in the show and 
It just makes absolutely no sense. There are so many logic gaps with the WrestleMania card, with this feud, with Sheen and Undertaker. You know, someone pointed out to me in the Raw review that I wrote for Next Era Wrestling, you know, in the comment section, that if Shane and Taker happens, if it goes on first, okay, and Shane wins, I don't think he will, but in case Shane wins, and he now owns WWE, does that mean that Triple H has to forfeit the championship, or is he just done as an authority figure? There's a lot of questions, and it's not a case similar to what we got a month ago on Raw, exactly a month ago when Shane O'Mac came back, and there were a lot of questions and not enough answers to kind of keep you intrigued. That's not the case here. I feel like there's a lot of questions because WWE doesn't know what the answers are and they're just kind of making it up as they go along. Like, what is Shane holding over Vince? We've had no further development on that since, you know, Shane said it a month ago when he came back. We've had no more teases as to what that could be, not even an, an acknowledgement as far as what he could be holding over his father. So I feel like they're just kind of tossing this stuff in and writing it as they go along, which is not the way, obviously, they should be booking things. They should have booked from WrestleMania and worked backwards, which is, I feel like, the best way of doing it. I'm no genius booker, but I feel like that would make the most sense, wouldn't it? But anyway, you know, you have your end game in mind, and then you work backwards from there, and that doesn't really seem like what they've been doing with this feud. I mean, I might as well address that now, too. I mean, the, the new stipulation is that if Taker loses, this will be his last WrestleMania. Now, there's a lot of speculation that Vince could have been talking about that this is his last WrestleMania, but he's not retired yet. Like, he could work SummerSlam or other shows, which would make, I don't know if that wouldn't make sense, but I feel like, one, Undertaker should go out at WrestleMania, especially if anywhere in Texas, and then, two, if, um, well, I mean, I'll, I'll address that, you know, caveat in a second, which makes also no sense. But if Shane wins, then then Taker's fired, but how can Vince fire him if Vince isn't in charge anymore? Like, where does, how does any of this make sense, you know? Um, but like I said, I don't know why, you know, Taker would lose. It's his last WrestleMania. It's like, I don't know. What I, when I heard that last night, it's almost the equivalent to, you know, if, if you lose a WrestleMania taker, we're gonna give you a disease or something. You're gonna have six months to live, and you're not gonna you're not gonna die at WrestleMania. But we're gonna give you another six months to live, and you can live out your final few months at SummerSlam or Survivor Series or whatever. To me, that makes no sense. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they. I mean, I'm not complaining because I'll be at SummerSlam hopefully for the second year running, and I'll be able to see Taker live one more time against John Cena. Maybe that'd be an amazing match for Mania, or rather for SummerSlam. I don't see it happening, but that'd be a great addition to a SummerSlam card. So, anyway, I just don't know what else you do, you know, with Taker. I mean, if he loses here, oh, he's not done. It's his last WrestleMania, but he's going to continue to wrestle. And then when is he done? You know, when WrestleMania comes along next year and he's not on the card, is he retired or is he just missing WrestleMania? Like, a lot of questions. I'm excited they have an extra stipulation. We've been clamoring for that for weeks now. But I just don't know how it fits in within the narrative they're trying to tell. And again, like I just said before, if Shane wins then how does Vince have the power to fire Undertaker? Just a lot of illogical questions being brought up here. A lot of logic holes, a lot of logic gaps being brought up Being brought up in the story. That doesn't mean I'm not excited for the match. You know, RJ put it perfectly in his article on Monday about how the match could flop, and I definitely agree there is the potential for it to flop, and if it's riddled with interference, I mean, like Sting and Triple H, that was not a match, that was a spectacle, I loved NWO and DX coming out, but the match itself was not like an amazing five-star classic, not that it was going to be anyway, if it wasn't filled with interference, but I feel like these two, you know, Shane and Taker could have a really good match considering who was involved, that was Triple H and Sting, the match that was not really going many places before the interference, and that was just, like RJ said, riddled with interference, and I feel like WrestleMania could be it could be a similar a similar situation for Shane and Taker if they book it you know in a similar fashion. So I hope that's not the case. If anything, like a Balor Club would be cool. 
Again, I'm not banking on it, but um, I don't know. We'll see. And I feel like that match could be very hit or miss, a lot like this WrestleMania. But again, WrestleMania 30 and 31, we said the same thing, and they were among my favorite WrestleManias in recent memory. So I guess we'll just have to uh, hold out hope and see what happens and hope WWE pulls a, a fast one on us and exceeds all expectations as they uh, you know, have sometimes proven to do. But anyway, I know I kind of went off track there with the multiple... Multiple different topics in regards to Raw last night, so let's get to the next segment. Uh, Kevin Owens and AJ Styles having a great match in our first match on Raw last night. Even better than their SmackDown match, which I really, really enjoyed. And after that match, I wrote in my review on Next Day Wrestling, I'm I'm highly anticipating a rematch. And then, lo and behold, we get a rematch only days later on Raw. Now, I'm not usually a fan of SmackDown rematches. Um, on Raw days later, but I feel like this was the exception because I desperately wanted to see another match between these two. They work so well together. They got, I think, three segments or two commercial breaks. Whether that's two segments or three segments, I don't know how you break that up, but I'm pretty sure it's three segments. Because we had the match, commercial break, match, commercial break, match. It's not like entrances, then the match when, it, when we came back from break. I don't think so anyway. But yeah, an amazing match. These guys work very well together, which should come as no surprise considering it's freaking AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. Um, arguably AJ's best match today. I know I say that pretty much every single week, but it seems like he's only getting better. Not that he's getting better, but he's having better matches, you know, from week to week to week. The New Day match, the matches with Jericho. Now, this one have, have been just phenomenal, no pun intended, or pun intended, I guess. Um, Kevin Owens wins off a distraction from Chris Jericho at ringside. So, kind of shades of SmackDown, but it was the right thing to do. KO wins again, kind of build his momentum going into WrestleMania. And um, Jericho and Styles look to be headed for a WrestleMania match, which I am very excited for. I'm not excited for the multi-man you know, ladder match in the Intercontinental Championship. It could be a great match, and I understand that. The match could be very, very good, a lot like last year's. But here's the thing. In last year, we had a seven-man ladder match in the Intercontinental Championship, and that was kind of a Band-Aid on a huge wound, on a huge you know, whatever of you know, a huge gap or injury, whatever, however you want to put it. That was the mid-card division. That was the Intercontinental Championship picture. That title meant freaking nothing. And that title, it means a lot more now than it did a year ago. I know people will still crap on that championship, but Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose have done a lot to reinstill, you know, prestige into that championship over the last six months or so, I would argue. Um, so I'm ex- a lot more excited for seeing the Intercontinental Championship defended at WrestleMania than I was, again, like I said, a year ago. But at the same time, you know... The money match, like with last year, the build sucked. If you watch WrestleMania 31, you'll enjoy the hell out of the match. Don't get me wrong. But the match, the build to the match was just awful. It was awful. There was no build. It was just one guy stealing the Intercontinental Championship after the next. Where is the build with that? That's just lazy booking. That's a that's a scapegoat. That's when you don't have a story in, you know, in place. But this year, I don't get it because they do have a story. They have a story with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in place. And they've had it for almost two years now. You know, Owens and Zayn should be the one-on-one match for the IC Championship at WrestleMania. We've talked about it before. I know I sound like a broken record, and I apologize. But it just irked me beyond belief. And I, I get it. I love Zack Ryder. I'm so happy he's getting a WrestleMania match. He's, he talked about it in a Raw Fallout video when he talked about having his entrance played, his entrance theme played at WrestleMania for the first time. So I'm looking forward to that, and I think it could be really exciting for the uh, for the Long Island IC. He's not going to win, but, you know, good for him. But... Looking at the bigger picture here, putting my bias aside for you know, for Zack Ryder, why? Why are Stardust, Sinkara, and Zack Ryder, much less Miz and Ziggler? Again, two people that no one cares about. I love the Miz. I like Ziggler. He had a great performance last week, a great freaking promo on Raw, which was amazing, by the way. Easily the best Ziggler promo I've heard in at least five years. Um, 
but why? The money match there is with Zayn and Owens. That's a story they've been trying to tell over the last couple of weeks. I don't care if Neville is supposed to be in this match or not instead of Zack Ryder. Sin Cara and Stardust alone, who cares? Who cares? Sin Cara, no one has been damaged goods for five years now. And Stardust, I love Cody Rhodes, but he screams. He screams Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, which brings me to my next point. Who the hell is going to be in that match? Big Show? Kane? The Social Outcasts? I mean, the build for the bout in the last couple of years has been basically awful. Also, I mean, the match, the build for that match is, I'm going to be in the Battle Royal. I'm going to win the Battle Royal. Like, okay, cool. Like, that's generic as hell. But at least it was a build. This year, we have nothing. They didn't announce the match until, you know, late last week on SmackDown. That was it. And until then, you know, since then, and then we only have less than two weeks until Mania, we have Big Show, Kane, and the Social Outcasts. That's it. Not like people are going to look forward to the match anyway after the last two winners went nowhere. Cesaro got basically buried for the remainder of 2014 after he won. And I know they, you know, they meant well. They wanted to do more with him. They wanted to do more with him after he won that battle royal, but it went nowhere, let's face it. And then Big Show after he won, what a total waste that was. He was off TV for like three months after he won. What a freaking waste. Kane getting involved, who cares? I like Kane. Again, it's a good place for him. I'd rather see him in this match than in a freaking six-man tag team match or something of Mania, so I'm, I'm happy about that. But I don't know... Who in their right mind would be excited for this match when we only have five people, or rather six, I guess. I'm thinking there's three social outcasts. There's actually four. When we have six people in this match, of 30, by the way, unless they dwindle it down to 20 or 10 or something, to my memory, we have 30 people in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Who else are they going to put in that match? Zack Ryder, Sin Cara? Everyone else is busy. You know, the other people in other matches at WrestleMania, Ziggler, Miz, those are the people that should be in the Battle Royal because... Let's face it, Miz, he deserves a lot more credit than what he's given. Ziggler is still, in my mind, vastly underrated. But these guys, are, you know, really, for the Intercontinental Championship, that belt means so much more than they did than it did a year ago. So let's treat it with that respect by giving them a one-on-one match at WrestleMania. None of this seven-man, multi-man crap that should be fun. Don't get me wrong, the match should be really, really good. But I just, I don't get it. Why bring up Zayn at all? Why not just have Owens... Defend the belt in a six-man ladder match at Mania. And then he retains. Next night on Raw, I've beaten them all. I beat five people in the same night. Whoa. And Sami Zayn comes out. And we get that match at Payback or Extreme Rules or whatever. You know, wouldn't that not make the most sense? Instead of thrusting him into a seven-man ladder match at WrestleMania. It's not like people don't care about this feud. People care about this feud. And I, you know, I criticize WWE for all the, all the time for not... You know, for assuming that WWE fans, every fan is aware of their history, but they've done a nice job of bringing people up to speed by introducing and reintroducing, rather, their history from NXT on SmackDown, on Raw. They've done a very good job of making people care, the main roster fans care, about Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, their history, former friendship, etc., etc. Again, it's just common logic. That is the money match to do at WrestleMania. I just don't get why we need a seven-man ladder match spectacular when you have you know, more than 20 people left to fill in that battle royal and no one cares but anyone most of the people in the match other than maybe Ziggler, definitely not Miz I hate to say it, I love the Miz no one cares, other than Owens and Zayn, maybe Ziggler but even then again that's pushing it because he hasn't done anything of relevance other than the last week's promo for at least Two years, two, three years, ever since he went babyface, which in retrospect was needed to happen, but it was, it's was it been a mistake for the most part. Sin Cara, Zack Ryder, Stardust. I'm glad they're getting a WrestleMania payday. Now, Stardust was in the match last year, and I didn't care. 
But again, I just feel like it's a total waste, especially when we have we have another match at Mania. We have another match at Mania for the United States Championship between Kalisto and Ryback, which no one gives two craps about. They weren't even on the show last night. Kalisto wrestled on Superstars with Sin Cara against like the Ascension or some garbage like that. So I ask you again, why is this match a multi-man match for the IC Championship, a, ma- a title that now at this point means more than the Intercontinental Championship? Why do we get that match for you know one on one for the U.S. Championship one on one between Kalisto and Ryback? Again, I I, prote- I protected this matchup for the last couple of weeks. I feel like it could be a good match, but they weren't even on Raw. A majority of the fans do not give two craps about Ryback versus Kalisto at WrestleMania. That screams main event. And why isn't that match a seven man ladder match? That that makes the most sense to me. Kalisto thrives in that environment. Obviously, if you saw him at TLC like I did in person in Boston, which I will be at tonight for SmackDown, like I said earlier, can't wait. Perfect tie-in. Um, but that was the that got the biggest reaction of the night when he did the Slita Del Sol off the top of the ladder. Amazing, one of the greatest, e- easily the greatest thing I've ever seen live in terms of like moves executed. Just phenomenal, freaking phenomenal. So why wouldn't they put him in a ladder match with Sin Cara, who could say he was jealous? I don't care if they throw freaking Stardust in there, but at least that would make more sense. You know, those two don't have history. They built that feud up from two weeks ago, Kalisto and Ryback. At least Zayn and Owens have a history dating back to late 2014. I know you can argue that, oh, they don't want to blow their load with Owens and Zayn one-on-one too early. I get that. But it's not like, you know, this is going to be another one of those feuds. It's a lot like Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, a feud they can go back to in the future. I understand that. But... It's WrestleMania. It's a match that deserves to be one-on-one. It's a personal animosity thing between Owens and Zayn. It's more about their personal feud in their history than it is about the Intercontinental Championship. And throwing a ladder into the mix also makes no sense, considering they they already have half their roster out, and they're just begging for more people to get injured. Like, last year's match, as fun as it was, was a goddamn train wreck. They are so lucky. No one got killed in that match, much, much less got injured or a scrape or something. Dean Ambrose, I was almost convinced he was dead after he got put through that ladder by Luke Harper, who also got hurt last night. Perfect segue into that, too. So he's hurt. I don't know what the hell the Wyatt family's doing at WrestleMania. They closed that Raw last night with Dean Ambrose and Braun Strowman, a match that was whatever. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was just there. And I don't know what purpose this was supposed to accomplish. The most common theme that I saw on my Twitter timeline last night, which is arguably a lot more entertaining than Raw most weeks, or at least the ending of Raw most weeks, is my Twitter timeline. A lot of people were asking the same question that I was. What was that supposed to accomplish? Ambrose and Strowman, you know, Ambrose has had run-ins with the Wyatt family before. I get that, but not, you know, as of late. He faced Wyatt a couple weeks ago, but what does he have to do with Brock Lesnar to show that he could beat a beast? He didn't even beat him. He got beat by disqualification because he gave up and he attacked him with a chair. And then him and Heyman had a face-off at a ringside, and that was it. Lesnar wasn't even there. He's going to be on SmackDown tonight, so why would you close the show with that match? And if anything, close out the show with the Vince McMahon announcement. You know, very, very disappointing. And like I said, the Wyatt family... I have no idea what they're doing at WrestleMania. And like I've said multiple times before, it's gotten to the point where I almost don't care. And it sucks to say that, but it's gotten to the point where I just almost don't care. Honestly, like it's gotten to that point because they've been booked so badly and there's a lot of great talent in that group, don't get me wrong, but it's just the social outcast of a Mania match before they do. Zack Ryder, Sin Cara, Stardust, and the social outcasts have a WrestleMania match before the Wyatt family. 
In what world does that make sense? Apparently in WWE's world. But other than that, it just it just boggles my mind. You know, they'll have Wyatt, the same guy who went one-on-one with John Cena and The Undertaker at back-to-back WrestleManias, is now even not at WrestleMania. I mean, if anything, put them in the Battle Royal, which is probably what they're going to end up doing. I'd rather see the Wyatt family against the New Day than the League of Nations, who I could not give, another group I could not give two craps about right now. And their match was all right. Rusev and Big E had a decent match, but the back and forth beforehand was kind of lame for the most part. Big E, or rather Kofi's one line about Del Rio not meaning as much as he once did and not coming out with the cars was hilarious because it's true. Um, but other than that, the segment fell flat. But um, like I said with the Wyatt family, I have no idea what's next for him. That's the most common question I get in hashtag AskGSM. I say the same thing every single time. I don't know, and I don't care. It sucks to say that, but... It's the uh, it's the truth. It's the truth. They have broken me when it comes to the Wyatt family. Very sad to say that, but it is the truth. The sad, cold, hard truth. But that was Raw on Monday night in a nutshell. I thought I was going to go match by match, but I do want to just kind of rant about those final two hours. Like I said, the first hour was really, really good. We had that decent segment with Reigns and Stephanie. Owens and Styles ripped it up with their match. I thought that was really, really good. Easily the best part of the entire night. Biggie and Rusev had a decent match that took us up until like 9.30. So the first half of the show was like two matches and a segment. And um, all pretty decent stuff. And um, you know, But other than that, the two hours, the final two hours really did nothing for me. Not that I'm not excited for WrestleMania, like I said before. But I'm just not any more excited for the show than I was before going into the, before I was going into the episode. I'm as equally excited as I was on Monday at this time, 24 hours ago, as I am right now. Um, but as I mentioned, I'm still looking forward to it. I feel like they can pull out a surprisingly pleasant show. Um, hopefully, anyway, we'll see. Um, but they still have one show left. Other than SmackDown, you know, on Thursday tonight, which I'll be in attendance for. Like I said, I can't say it enough because I'm so excited. But they have one more go-home show. And the SmackDown before WrestleMania is usually consisting of video packages anyway, so I wouldn't count on that for any last-minute, you know, money build for any matches or whatever. But Raw next week is key. And I think they're in Brooklyn next week, too. And it's been a hard, rocky road for Roman Reigns that he's gotten booed in every town he's showed up in. Philly, uh, Pittsburgh, Brooklyn next week. So they have one more shot to make people care about this WrestleMania. I don't know if it's going to affect buy rates. It's WrestleMania. People will order anyway. That was not an issue last year. They like broke the subscriber count. It's free this year. They're, they're pushing that down everyone's throat. You heard Mar Ronaldo say that before. WrestleMania is free this year. Um, so we'll see. I know this is WrestleRant Radio. I try to be optimistic as possible. Well, last night's Raw discouraged me and a little bit. I'm, like I said, I'm still pumped for Mania, but I would be remiss not to, you know, um, you know, not to call WWE out on their crap from you know the final two hours of Raw last night. But we'll see. On the bright side, WrestleMania is 12 days away, or on the not so bright side, depending on how you look at it. But we still do have NXT Takeover Dallas to look forward to next Friday, the Hall of Fame on Saturday, and the always amazing episode of Monday Night Raw right after WrestleMania. So like I said, I look forward to breaking all that down next Tuesday right here on the show with Mike Yoder, RJ Marceau, and Arden Franklin for a two-hour live spectacular. Again, fingers crossed, nothing promised. People pull out all the time, so it's really hard to kind of not count on people, but you know, schedules are difficult, and we tape this show sometimes. I'm taping this right now on Tuesday afternoon, not going live. I'm going to SmackDown in a couple hours, so we just got to have to accommodate for that. 
Um, but anyway, hopefully we will do that next Tuesday, a two-hour episode of WrestleMania preview, breaking down every single match in the card, our preview picks and predictions for every bout at WrestleMania 32 in just 12 days away. Again, huge thanks to Mara Ronaldo for joining me on the show earlier on. Great interview. It will be up in article form later on this week. Hopefully on Friday. That's what I'm aiming for on Bleacher Report. And another huge thanks for everyone who supported me on the Jim Ross interview and all the amazing feedback. It meant the absolute world to read that. We got it even days later over the weekend. It just, it was great. On Facebook, I had people texting me, Facebook, Twitter. It was awesome. You guys are awesome. So thank you for being a loyal listener of WrestleRant Radio. We bring you the goods every single Tuesday right here on NextEraWrestling.net. So Jim Ross last week, Mar Ranala today, in a two-hour WrestleMania roundtable next Tuesday. So in the meantime and in between time, folks, as always, you can find me on Twitter, Follow me there on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant on Facebook. Get the page, the, the, the page and all thumbs up at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSN.Matthews. And of course, on YouTube at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham.GSN.Matthews. And this very website, NextEraWrestling.net, for full written reviews of Raw, SmackDown, Main Event Superstars, NXT, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground, basically anything you could think of, plus other great content from Thomas Brunt, RJ Marceau, John Knapp, Jared uh, Jackson Ferrans, JJF, all great writers contributing work every single day of the week. It's awesome stuff. If you're not checking back to this website on a weekly, on a daily basis, rather, you're missing out big time on some awesome articles. But until next time, guys, have a great rest of your week. I'll be back next Tuesday or even as soon as Friday on my YouTube channel for a on-site report for SmackDown tonight. The Beast will be in Boston, as will GSM and RJ Marceau, so I'm looking forward to that. But until next time, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. I'm Graham GSM Matthews, and I'll catch you folks down the road.